everybody. Welcome. It is high noon here on MutinyRadio.fm. That means it's time for the AltaCast. News with a socialist bent, because what else can we do in this current situation but laugh, laugh, laugh. I am here with my wonderful and amazing co-host, LaToya, the Sheriff of Truth. Yay! Yay! You survived your birthday! Yeah! I was not out, I was out last week, so thank Mm. you for accepting me not being in. Oh my gosh. I was in a world of pain, but that's what birthdays do. That's what birthdays do. They bring the pain, they bring the hurt. Especially as you get old. Yeah. You, you probably didn't eat. I did. I did. I, you know what? I ate a bunch of oysters. Mm. Not enough um, bread. substance and right. bread. bread. So yeah, it bread. was all wine hangover. Wine. Mm. The problem with wine is that it's so delicious. And after the fourth glass, it tastes like water. It's like this opposite Jesus thing that happens. Amen. It's like first it tastes like wine. And then you keep drinking it and have to remind yourself, this is not water. This is wine. It happens to me all the time. It, it, the thing is like, you get into a group of it when you're like with a group of people mm. and you're just like chit-chatting and laughing. Ha-ha, And wine's just flowing and you're just like, whatever, more wine. Yeah, that shit happened. Mm. Mm. Nice nice bottles. Yeah. yeah nice at bottles. work from work. It's good. <laughs> uh, well, today I was trying to tell you guys all about what was going to happen on the AltaCast today and I found this amazing picture of an opiate addict uh, and Jesus behind him. Uh, it looks like he's going to save him, It right? looks like he's, well, it's, he's trying real hard to do something. He's either helping him, uh, he's definitely not helping him hold the rubber, because the guy's doing that in his mouth. Uh, there's a gun on the table, there's some whiskey, a candle, cigarettes lit, and Jesus is behind him, just struggling. So I post this picture, and Facebook says, uh, we can't let you have that picture. Ridiculous. They said, uh, this is not okay, you're not allowed to do this. And I'm like, really? There's no nudity. There's just Jesus. Somehow, somehow, this is not okay that, like, acknowledging that opiate addiction is a huge issue in the United States. Uh, so anyways, I tried to put that on the AltaCast website, uh, on the Facebook, and they said nay. So instead, I posted a picture of Jesus and a Nazi walking on a road together, and Jesus is holding the Nazi's gun. Now, this is no problem. So here we are in America, where opiate addiction and acknowledging that, don't do that. But, oh, Jesus is walking with a Nazi? Ah, it's he, okay. He got no problem with so that. So fucking ass That's backwards. great. That, nothing says news in America. Like, Jesus talking with a Nazi, holding his gun for him, walking down a road into oblivion. Wow. <laughs> hey. Speaking the truth to each other. Mm, I don't know what they're saying. That Jesus. is so ass backwards. So backwards. Yeah. It kind of looks like the other one with the guy mm. that's shooting up. It kind of looks like he's trying Jesus is trying to save him in some aspects or like don't do this my son you know or he kind of looks like um Eniak Eno uh the the comedian or actually he looks a lot like that particular comedian I'm gonna <laughs> try to but Facebook won't let me post this picture anymore because I guess it's opiate addiction is too dark for but Facebook. it's a factor right Everything else is, well, everything in America, I guess, is too dark. They don't like dark things, just in general. People, Oh, the Nazis Nazis aren't dark? Well, no, they're they're light. They're white, Ah. you see. Uh, But dark things, Mm, Americans don't like dark things. No. They like white bread with a nice white fluffy crust. They don't like any crispy crust (laughs) on the edge. White meat. White meat. Not dark meat. I like dark meat has more flavor. That's right. Baby. Mm -hmm. So here we are on the Alta Guest. First, uh... You know, we do news from Drug Policy Alliance and NARL Pro-Choice America. What, but before we even get to that, 
Um, did you notice that the moon was orange Yesterday. on Saturday night? Uh, and when it was super hot, Saturday, Sunday, almost a full moon. It was orange. I thought the apocalypse was upon us. Uh-oh. I was just thinking like, wow. No, you know, not only have we never stepped on the moon, now it's tinted orange. Like, <laughs> like how did he do that? How did 45 make that one happen? It was a pretty color last night, too. Mm. I noticed, too, very briefly. The so. smog makes it so pretty. <laughs> we're, we're Los Angeles now, by the way. San, San Francisco is now officially... Uh, San Diego, Los Angeles. Small. Uh, yeah, it's it's moved up. Oregon is now uh, officially San Francisco, and uh, Seattle is still part of Canada. So we're <laughs> we're fine. Uh, but w- things are. The, how can we say that global warming doesn't exist when Whoa. it was? We broke the record book. It has never been this hot in San Francisco since the time they started keeping records. 1900s. Yeah, like 1880 or, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was like 104. Yeah. yeah. In the mission, it was like 110 or something stupid. I mean, it was like that day I went to the beach. I said, fuck mm. you. I am going to put myself in the water. Mm. No. But, you know, L.A. is on fire. Uh, you know, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I guess the apocalypse is yeah. near. Timestamp, uh, the 6th of... September 2017. You heard it first here on the AltaCast. Been said many times before, but the apocalypse is upon us. It's official. It's it's hot. It's confusing. People yelling at each other on the bus for no reason. And oh, the nice. captain was sitting in the back. He had a captain's hat. He was an old man sitting in the back chilling out. And these two people get in a fight on the 27. Oh, shit. Um, a lady walks in. She steps on um, a guy's foot. He stands up, freaks out. Uh, he had some... Uh, he wasn't all there uh, you could kind of tell but he got up and he pushed her there was a fight on the 27 he pushed the woman he pushed the woman and she oh, goes no. off and she's like you do that again motherfucker I'm gonna kill you and the, the captain in the back just looks at me and he goes this is what happens when it's hot oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like captain Thank you, you I, said I, it right I, I, I captain I. that's right but there was um, there, come on let's not fight on the 27 bus I know that definitely tensions are always high when you get like the triple digits, like coming from like the Midwest. I always tell this joke or not. It's not really a joke. It's almost like a statement, like in Chicago, when it gets hot, someone's going to die. Meaning <laughs> someone's going to get shot. Because what else? Your tensions are high. Yeah. You're, you're aggravated. You're sweating. You're sweating. You, you know, here in the Bay Area, most people don't have ACs. Mm. So you're really on fire. And yeah. it's dry heat out here. That's another motherfucker. Well, and it was a little... A little was, it was a little muggy, so of course everybody here freaks out. Yes. It's like when it rains, no one can drive. Viro weather, I can't, I just can't. Yes, we are Californians. Yes, we do not experience extremes of weather. And if it's going to happen now, we're going to need to fucking learn how to deal with it, everybody. Oh, totally. Like, come on. Totally. We're such little snowflakes out here. Oh, it's just, it's four degrees hotter than it's supposed to be. Oh, we <laughs> well, I heard um, the reason why it was so busy this Labor Day, this past Labor Day in the city, because usually here in SF, people leave the city and mm. becomes a ghost town. They go off to wine country or elsewhere. Or Burning Man. Or Burning Man. Oh, yeah, yeah that happened mm, this weekend. That happened. Dusty Man. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> you can see him with their glazed look when they come back to the city. Their <laughs> glazed car. Their cars look like they're glazed with powdered sugar. Totally. And their <laughs> eyes are glazed with like reality yeah. with what is going on I'm back in a city and there's people that aren't giving me drugs oh my god what to do uh, 
Oh, and it's hot too. Nah. No, they're used to that. Yeah. So like basically a lot of people from like Walnut Creek and like Livermore came into the city, mm. rented um, hotel rooms because it was hotter in Walnut Creek, obviously, yeah. than here. So sure. they figured that it was going to be cooler here in SF. And the city was just a clusterfuck. Yeah, it was. This whole weekend. weekend was, yeah. And especially if you were working in any bar that had, had cold air beer, air conditioning yeah. at my place. God damn, I made some money. Well, I uh, was so lucky to be a part of the Comedy Crawl, the fifth annual Comedy Crawl this weekend, and I was on the first leg uh, at the sports basement, and it was cool downstairs in the motherfucking basement, and it was it was packed. It was like 100 people, and I had a great set. I had like every single joke hit. None of them were comedians. They were all real people, and they loved me, and I was like, this is what it's supposed to be like all the time, Nice. and then uh, the rest of my weekend, I didn't have a good... I mean, I had good sets Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday, I didn't do anything. Monday, I, I ate a dick. Tuesday, I ate a dick. <laughs> Last night, I was, I couldn't, I, it was like, I was at Brainwash, but I ate the caramels. I practiced the caramels. So yeah. the caramels I made this week that I'm very proud of are apricot, almond, oh. habanero, honey caramels. Oh my with, God. They're medicated. Yeah. And so I tasted them to make sure what the dosage was. And I was so high. So I get to brainwash and I'm trying to host last night. And I just was, <laughs> I was a wreck. I was like, I guess kept telling him, I'm like, I am a, I am a total Zonk. waste of a, of a host today. I couldn't think of anything witty between people. <laughs> I'm like, zonked, man. I was just, I was like telling stories about pubic hair. I, I was getting all like, I was off the fucking rails. But the whole thing is whenever I host the first um, Tuesday of the month at Brainwash, I bribe the audience with treats. So I made these caramels because if you are a comedian and you are audience for another six comedians, I give you uh, a weed treat because I will bribe you. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) I don't want you outside. I want you. And it works. I mean. We didn't even have enough comedians. We ended early, but I gave everybody a lot of time. But there's always an audience the whole time because I bribed them with treats, treats. <laughs> which I have Come no here, problem doing. Like, it, it's a work. You know what? People used to bribe people with free drinks and shit. Sure. And, and free T-shirts. Right. So why not? Why we? not? Because we? we all going to need it right now. Mm. Trust me. It's. Global warming. You got three hurricanes coming. Oh my god! You, you got DACA. You got you got drug drug policy that we're about to get into. And all well, let's talk about DACA for a second. So yesterday, I'm walking to the brainwash, and I walk by Seventh and Mission by the Federal Building, and there are tons of people, and I'm like, what's going on? And so the DACA thing got repealed, basically saying that if you were a child that was brought to this country. Um, you can be sent away too. Yeah, so... Which is insane because this is not what... We're going to send a child who's under 18 back to a country they've never been to? To be with who? No, what it is is it's uh, Obama in 2012. It's uh, the Dreamer Act. Um, So what it is is you had to be... In 2012, you had to be uh, under the age of 31. um, And most of the people, the kids... They're now mostly adults now. Right. Um, and they're professionals. It's 800,000 of people. And it's not just Latinos, too. There's uh, also blacks and a little small majority of whites. And the second in there is Asians as well, who are part of the DACA. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of I, Filipinos? Yes, absolutely. Um, and so what's going on now is uh, he's given it six months 
uh, basically. Uh, and basically, he's what it sounds like is this, they're going to try to phase it out. And then now these people are up for deportation after, in, which, um, in March of 2018, which is fucked up. Yeah. Meaning the fact how fucked up it is, because a lot of people, these people don't know. They came here at a very, very young age and they don't know what their their country, where they came from. They no. probably don't even speak the language. Absolutely. They've already, they, they started their lives here. Now they're, most of them are professionals, college grads. And there's certain assertions that you have to do in order to be part of it as a DACA recipient. And so there's certain kind of guidelines and what have you. You have to graduate from college or high school, go to the military, either or. Um, so basically what it is, basically is a racial backhand to all people of color saying like we don't want you here it's awful Go back uh, this was what uh, people are saying that Jimmy Kimmel got it right this is a quick quick little clip uh, this is a quick little clip from Jimmy Kimmel and he gets it right about why because why why would he rescind it why would why would he do that here we go and may deport immigrants who came to the US decades ago Many people are outraged while Melania was like, well, rules are rules. So see, I think you said it. I got to I got to go. Sorry. President Trump announced the end of DACA, which temporarily protected undocumented like his immigrants. His main agenda is just to undo everything Obama did. I hope he doesn't bring bin Laden back to life because that's. <laughs> but anyway, a recent study estimated that terminating DACA would cost the federal government $60 billion and would reduce economic growth by $280 billion in the next 10 years. I'll trade you 800,000 productive young people and wait, $280 billion for nothing. Final offer. <laughs> Take it or leave it. So there are some of your favorite late night hosts making fun of that situation because exactly why why does he uh, want to rescind it just because anything that Obama did he now wants to take away take away and the thing is economically it's not going to benefit anyone it's economically a, it's the same thing with the ACA the Affordable Care Act taking that away just because Obama made it it puts people in danger. <laughs> it puts people's lives in danger, basically. It completely goes against everything that with the, the new opiate crisis that we're not calling a national crisis. It takes away those services. It takes away more services. Why are we taking away things? And then, so this was crazy about the wall. <laughs> and it's almost a joke, but it's real. There were a bunch of different articles that came out that said, the wall is insane because it would have to be, and Trump actually said this, it would have to be see-through because of trebuchets, because of 14th century technology. They're going to be, like, usually people tunnel under walls to get the drugs in, but they're saying they can use trebuchets to flip it over the walls. And the thing is, if you're patrolling the wall and a 70-pound bag comes flying over of heroin and it hits you in the face, you're dead. <laughs> so what he's saying is there should be holes in the, or the wall should be see-through so that we can see when the drugs are being sent over the wall. It's insane. Plexiglass. Plexiglass. Yeah. <laughs> Plexiglass. What? Yeah. I mean, insane. Why? Who? What? It, it just it doesn't make sense. And even going back to what you were talking about with the Affordable Hair, uh, Care Act, um, you economically, it's not a good thing. You can't do anything with sick people. Sick people can't work. Right. You can't yeah. build an economy with sick people. Well, not unless, but the thing is, we've sort of changed our economy and and it's become now sick people 
are great because they're consumers. And if you're consuming, you're good for America. So even if you're sitting on the couch consuming diabetes medicine and That's food, the one thing you're consuming. Right. That's a, like the, yes, you, the only thing you will be consuming is pharmaceuticals. Right, exactly. But that's good for America because that helps, you know. But that's just one fragment too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is like anything else, you, you're not going to, people aren't going to travel. People aren't going to go, every, most industries are going to crash, you know, when you have more and more sick people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything, everything, this, the whole administration and the Republican Party and the beliefs of like how much Republicans love their money mm. is actually kind of the counter productive of what they're doing well, counterintuitive to what they should be doing thank yeah you, counter, thank you counterintuitive yeah wrong word it's all good it's not it's counterproductive as well uh here's a little thing from cnn that just uh came out will nearly eight hundred thousand young undocumented immigrants lose protection from deportation that decision is up to congress the trump administration said tuesday attorney jeff's Uh, General Jeff Sessions announced that the administration is rescinding the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, the DACA program. Pulling the plug on DACA overturns President Barack Obama's signature immigration policy and could upend the lives of more than three quarters of a million people. But the Trump administration gave Congress a six-month window to act before any currently protected individuals lose their ability to work, study, and live in the U.S. without fear. Here is a look at some key questions about the program and its future. Who's being protected by DACA? These are undocumented immigrants who were brought to the United States as children, a group often described as dreamers. Since the Obama administration began DACA in 2012, 787,580 people have been approved for the program, according to the latest government figures. To be eligible, applicants had to have arrived in the U.S. before age 16 and have lived there since June 15, 2007. They could not have been older than 30 when the Department of Homeland Security enacted the policy in 2012. Among the accepted applicants, Mexico is by far the biggest country of origin, followed by El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. What does DACA do for them? DACA recipients have been able to come out of the shadows and obtain valid driver's licenses, enroll in college, and legally secure jobs. They also pay income taxes. The program didn't give them a path to become U.S. citizen or even legal permanent residents, something immigrant rights advocates have criticized, saying it left people in limbo. How long does the deferral last? Under DACA, dreamers were able to apply to defer deportation and legally reside in the U.S. for two years. After that, they could apply for renewal. By March 31st, 240,700 people had applied for renewal in the 2017 fiscal year, and nearly 800,000 renewals had been approved over the life of the program. Department of Homeland Security officials said Tuesday they will continue to accept renewal applications for the next month. Although that sort of puts people in danger because if they're going to rescind it, now they know where you live. What has Trump said about DACA? When it comes to talking about dreamers in DACA, Trump has been all over the map. He vowed to dismantle the program on the campaign trail, but once he took office, he signaled he might take a softer stance. DACA is a very, DACA is a very, very difficult subject for me. I will tell you, to me, it's one of the most difficult subjects I have because you have these incredible kids, Trump said in February. We're going to deal with DACA with heart. Last week, when asked whether dreamers have anything to worry about, Trump said, 
We love the dreamers. In a statement Tuesday, Trump said it was time for Congress to act. We will resolve the DACA issue with heart and compassion through the lawful democratic process, while at the same time ensuring that any immigration reform adopt, we adopt provides enduring benefits for the American citizens we have elected to serve. We were elected to serve, he said. We must also have heart and compassion for unemployment, struggling, and forgotten Americans. Tremendous. He didn't say tremendous. I just added that. So what's the administration planning to do? The Trump administration says it's phasing out DACA in a way that will provide minimum disruption. Officials won't accept new applications to the program, but for current DACA recipients, protections remain in effect for now. According to officials, work permits issued under DACA will be honored until they expire. New DACA applicants already received by Tuesday will be processed. Anyone whose status is set to expire by March 5th, 2018 as a month to apply for a two-year permit, and those renewals applications will be processed. Is there any hope now for DREAMers? Some lawmakers have opposed a bipartisan measure that could protect dreamers from deportation now that the Trump administration is ending DACA. But a number of past efforts to protect the dreamers, widely seen as the most sympathetic group of undocumented immigrants, have stalled in Congress, and it's unclear whether a new initiative would be able to gather the momentum needed to pass. What if Congress doesn't act? If Congress doesn't pass a measure protecting DACA recipients, nearly 300,000 people could begin to lose their status and be at risk for deportation in 2018, and more than 320,000 would lose their status from January to August 2019. Why is this coming up now? Earlier this summer, 10 state attorney generals wrote the president asking him to end DACA and giving him a September 5th ultimatum. Their message rescind DACA or get prepared for a legal challenge from us. The move was praised by groups who advocate for stricter immigration controls who have long decried DACA as executive overreach and argued that is akin to providing amnesty for lawbreakers. Racist. Yeah. Immigrant rights activists say the attorney general, attorneys general gave Trump what amounted to a false deadline, calling on the administration to stand its ground and keep the program in place. But on Tuesday, Trump administration officials said their hands were tied. They described the program as unconstitutional and something they could not successfully defend in court. <sighs> well, <laughs> racist. This is racist. That's all. Well, I mean, and there's nine attorneys. I think West Virginia's one. Tennessee was one, but the 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 governor or the attorney general fell back because there was too much black uh, backlash. But the majority of Americans uh, do uh, approve of the DACA program. So now it's just like you know it. Uh, and especially right now during the hurricane, mm. especially what happened in Harvey. Yeah, now that everybody's homeless right. in Texas, they're like, well, let's get them out. We can't house them. Let's get rid of them. Right. Absolutely. And you had people, there's a story about one of the um, a DACA recipients who just died in uh, Houston trying to rescue people from the floods. Um, who was a DACA recipient? Who would have possibly been able or been deported? Let, let's harken back to some of Trump's, some of my favorite words from him. Mexico is not sending its best. <laughs> they're sending, they're sending rapists. Uh, wow. I just looked up on the Google, why do Americans hate immigrants? Uh. They should hate themselves then. I, I just looked it up just to see, and and we've got, you know, a brief history of America's love-hate relationship with immigration. That's a thing. You know, There's it goes all the way back to 2001. Uh, 
Trapped, Americans A, love, B, hate immigrants. <laughs> the New York Times in 2001. That's actually January 14th, 2001. So that was oh, before before, before the Twin Towers. What's coming up on Monday? Oh my God. Yeah, 15 year anniversary? It, no, more than that. 16. 16 year anniversary. It, it can drive now. Wow. <laughs> Not gonna well, let me drive. and I've, I mean... I hate to bring this up, but I have been doing a lot of research in the past two weeks on A, the moon hoax, and B, were there really planes that flew into steel buildings defying physics? Like how many, it's it's fun actually to look around on the internet and see like, okay, so <laughs> planes can't cut through a building. Like it's, the physics don't work. I've seen, I saw the one about the rocket ship and they put it on a track and they made it go 450 miles an hour into a steel reinforced concrete bunker and it just obliterates, nothing happens to the bunker, but the plane is obliterated except they're saying that with the Twin Towers, these fiberglass planes cut through steel beams and then exploded on the inside, even came out the back of one end, which is nuts and totally impossible because you can see the damage that a bird does to the front of a plane and then you go really steel beams and looking at the pattern of how it looked like it exploded down as it was i mean there's so much going on and i'm just like our government's been lying to us forever if they lied to us about the moon hoax and everybody believed it if they've been lying to us about the t-rex bones (laughs) like what what is true any everything is fake news now well i mean I, my friends try to get me into the conspiracy theory about the 9-11, the Twin Towers. I, I, I just can't. I can't believe it because I just remember watching it. But I do believe, though, the government, it was an inside job. Yeah, that yeah. is just, I believe, that's just, my heart's of hearts just said that. It's just too too much connection. Just like, you know, what's going on with the whole Russia thing, too. Mm. Too much connection. There was, there was some really scary stuff about Flight 93 that supposedly went into the Pentagon. And there's a woman who was one of the... Um, one of the flight attendants and all of her stuff was magically found at the site when there's no plane and no bodies somehow her id was magically found at the site but there's a tape she called her husband and it sounds like she was prompted and at the very end you hear a person in the background go you did really good and it's a woman's voice and it it chilled me because then they talk about they're like so what happened to all what happened to the 44 people on flight 93 they were murdered by the government I can say that. I mean, I, it is. I, I, mean, I mean, it is scary stuff. I, I, okay, I, and what are they gonna? They can, it's it's all out there on the internet. And what do we believe? I've been reading a lot of stuff. I've been reading things from physicists and air, air, airplane pilots who say that not only is it the physics impossible of what happened with the planes, but also saying that the plane came down at 450 miles an hour, did this amazing maneuver, and hit. A building. A 35-year pilot said, "Even I couldn't have done that maneuver." And these guys were trained on Cessnas. Like, this was the one other thing that got me because it's like a CSI thing, right? So, Flight 175 was, according to them, hijacked. They murdered the pilot with a box cutter, which is weird. And then they supposedly took over the plane and flew into the buildings at 450 miles an hour. Now, one, you can't fly a plane at 450 miles an hour at that altitude because of like physics and speed and the and the weight of the air or whatever so it would rip the wings off first but b this is a csi thing so they murdered the pilot with a box cutter in a tiny cockpit and then they lifted his 
Have you ever seen how much blood is in a body? You stab the body in a cockpit. There's blood everywhere. It's pooling down by the feet. There's all of these crazy things. The instrumentation, which they were not trained on, which makes no sense, which is totally nuts. It's going to be covered in blood, sticky, weird blood. They've got to maneuver this new, this steering wheel. So, and, and there's no, there's no autopilot. In the co- it's a right. three in the, in the cockpit. Too, so, correct? so they've murdered these people. They've gotten all the bodies out while steering the plane because there's no, there's no um, autopilot. Right. So. They were have one guy steering the plane. Someone else is getting a dead weight body that is leaking fluid, blood everywhere. They get this guy out of the cockpit. They get in in an unfamiliar plane with blood everywhere, and then they do this amazing maneuver and steer it into a building. Just moving the body alone, a dead weight adult man. We're talking about a hundred and seventy five pound man. Latched on into this. They've got it. They've murdered him. He's bleeding everywhere. They've got to unbuckle him. They've got to get him out while someone else is steering the plane. And he has his headphones on. Too. Doesn't this seem like fake news? Too much. <laughs> it seems like too much to get done in forty five minutes. Fake news. So. <laughs> So anyways, I don't know what to believe anymore. Everything is like confusing and scary. And we've got the Russians are crazy. And, and, and now we got North, North Korea. Korea. <laughs> and we got, we got Elon Musk saying it's all AIs. And the Russians want all the AI technology. And they're going to give it to everyone else. And we're screwed. And like we're all screwed anyway. We shouldn't be fighting each other. We should be worried about global warming. We should be fighting exactly. against our world falling apart. That's what we should be doing. And it's actually going to the global warming thing, too. You got, like, two... Okay, so you had... Last week, you had Hurricane Harvey. Or, mm. Yeah. And now this week, you have Hurricane Her- uh, Irma, which is off uh, the Atlantic, which, by the way, they're saying is one of the most strongest storms to date. Oof. Yeah. And it's already at a Category 5. Whoa. And that's already scary. And right behind Irma is her, uh, Tropical Storm Juan, which is supposedly building up. Wow. Which is already pretty scary. And by the way, we just wanted to... Uh, let you know that we into DACA, so we're going to push people off. Yeah, well, we got three hurricanes. Coming. Yeah, we got three hurricanes coming, but I'm sure that we can turn FEMA tents into <laughs> boats. Maybe we could use some immigrant ingenuity. Coming up on 9/11, could, yeah. anniversary of 9/11. Just throwing those things Just out there. Throw them all together. <laughs> throw them all together. But I do. The, the, the funny thing you're when you're talking about like the whole the twin towers and stuff. Yeah. This was like the early days of the internet. So Mm. thinking about that, I remember a lot of people like talking about it was a hoax and what have you. This kind of reminds me of like how my version of like remembering what fake news was compared to what it is now. Sure. You know, and it's so funny, like you, you talking about that and talking about now, 16 years later, we... There's this, there, nothing but conspiracy now nothing but conspiracy. is in the administration. Yeah. You know. And, but well, and, like, and he's like, tweeting policy. He tweets policy. <laughs> like a 12-year-old girl, he tweets policy. Who tweets policy? How do you do that? What's policy? Well, you've got the, I'm the president, and I'm going to tweet now, and now there's no more trannies in the, well, we don't like that word anymore. I can't use that word. <laughs> I mean, are you are you kidding me? Who tweets policy? You're not supposed to. It's so unpresidential. It's so... 
you know what? I'm just, I'm really getting sick of the, like, the mainstream media, though, really. Yeah. Because I, you know, it, it now it's turning, into, it is a fucking reality show. And the thing yeah. is, now they're just looking for every moment for him to be presidential. Like, oh, he went down to uh, Texas to help these people and, and carry oh, a yeah. couple boxes. Oh, yeah, I'm giving a million dollars. He ain't I'm giving, giving shit. a million dollars. He ain't giving shit. He says he's giving a million dollars. whoop de fucking do You didn't even show us your taxes, you First, selfish piece of shit. Didn't his daddy give him a small loan of a yeah, million, million dollars. dollars that's nothing for him. <laughs> and that Fucking. nigga ain't giving shit mm. don't believe that he ain't giving you guys even some bottled water fuck that now let's try to deport his wife though <laughs> yeah she She's well in. i'm sure she well she got married so she's legal uh this is perfect we have the crimea river song in the back uh always hits at the right time I, it always does i i mean i just i want to know why do we, why do we all hate immigrants so much when we're a country that was built on immigration? <laughs> Isn't that the funny? Thank like, you. We were built Minus. on, it's because we like cheap labor, but <laughs> we don't, I, like that's the thing is you, you can't have it both ways. You can't have cheap labor and not make them legal. You can't say, well, we want you because of your ability to work, but we don't want to give you any rights because you're not a real person because you're just, because we have, because and it all goes back to socialism. We don't respect manual labor. It is labor. Labor is real. Making something is dirty. real. Digging ditches, building building things, being an electrician, being making something, that's real. Labor is real. Moving around apps and fucking passing around memos, you rich fucks in San Francisco. That is not labor. That is not work. And you think you're better. Everyone who goes to college thinks they're better. My mom used to tell me, Pam, if you don't study... The world needs ditch diggers too. Well, what's wrong with being a fucking ditch digger? What's wrong with actually labor? It's because most Americans that say they're taking our jobs, most Americans don't want those they jobs. Don't want they to don't do want to labor. be labor. They're too good for it. Yeah, they don't want to be a ditch digger. They don't want to be picking out in the fields and getting paid for it. They don't want to. They don't want. Some of them don't even want to do construction because work anymore. They think they're too good for it because we teach our fucking little entitled brats that they are special snowflakes. And oh, your effort was so good. You can't even and write a fucking five paragraph essay and you're in college you dumb dumb fucks and it's all our fault that we've called critical thought from our education system and look where we are now we have a bunch of people that think they're too good for labor and, but and then you say well, exactly and the only people who can do fast food jobs are dumb people and children what why is labor not respected in our country why are artists not respected why are makers why are it used to be we used to be a country built on homesteading they gave you land to go well they stole land and then they gave it to white people <laughs> to to make something of yourself to to have a cow and bake your own bread and survive and make things and be bigger and now we're just mindless consumers we're entitled mindless consumers children we, with an iphone 8 fuck you your child does not deserve an iphone 8 but we can barely afford to be consumers that's the problem too because of the fact of like for example you mentioned fast food that's mm. why you had the people a couple years ago or even till still to this very day who the fighting for uh 15 the 15 dollar an hour right, right. and most states did not pass that by the way because those fast food workers are still getting paid seven dollars an hour mm. in 2017 and you know what insane is that they're making so much money making us sick the Thank fast you. food companies are making so much money Thank you and they accept ebt now and they accept EBT. government it well, is yeah. terrible 
Yeah. Government subsidized sickness. Yes. Let's subsidize sickness because what does it do? It creates more consumers. If we consume this disgusting food for long enough, you're making they're making money off you there. But then now we've got a huge obesity problem. One out of every four people in the United States is obese. That's insane. We have a problem of excess. We are so entitled and such fat little fucks that we have a problem of excess. We have hoarders. We have people that overbuy. Oh, it's thickness. I have to. I have too many things. I mean, and we can't afford it. Yeah, we can't afford it because a lot of us aren't. We can't. The living wage in the United States is low compared to where we should be. And uh, the uh, I believe in this day and age, in 2017, in order to survive and to be comfortable, uh, uh, most people are supposed to make at least twenty to twenty-five dollars an hour. Wow. That's in order to have a decent living. Sure, sure. Now, how many people do you really know who have, who are either single mothers or who have uh, families who are probably making $20, $25 an hour? Not an average American anymore. So $17.36 an hour is $34,000 a year. Year. So, so yeah. And that's... That's poverty. Right. But that's like, that's, that's pretty, I mean... That's what teachers make. Exactly. Again, that's poverty. <laughs> right. That's. I Isn't mean, that funny? We we make our poverty teach. and the teachers. I, that's mm. a whole other episode Absolutely. because that's another thing that pisses me off. Because teachers still have to pay their student loans back too. Yes, they do. They do, and they have to love your. They have to love your evil spawn. Yeah. Oh, they have to care th- about your evil, entitled little fucking brats. And that some you... of them have to pay for their own supplies. Yeah, they do. And, and that's the thing is you hear all these parents complaining they're like I have to buy a box of Kleenex for the classroom you buy that fucking box of Kleenex you buy that you buy, you, you buy that fucking glue you buy a big thing of glue you give it to the teacher come on now teacher buying fucking glue sticks for your kid get, get, get your own damn glue sticks I'm gonna take my snot and mix it with some fucking flour bring it to school give it to teachers paste Kids, kids should pick their own nose and keep. They should make their own paste at their desk. You get those kids to pick their own nose and save it in a little jar and use it for paste. Come on now. Oh man, that's gross. Yeah, I can see that happen. It's just like rubber cement. Uh, Ew. Women's Equality Day. What? Did you know that happened on August 26th? That was a thing. I missed it. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't even know that that was a thing. Yeah, of course we didn't. this is from Narl. Narl doesn't have a lot of new stuff out, but I'll just read this one thing from them today. Uh, two things have never been more clear that the power of women across America is a force to be reckoned with. And we have to double down in this moment because our equality is on the line. The women's marches, the largest single day of demonstration in American history, showed the appetite in every corner of our country to fight the toxic misogyny we face in all parts of our society, especially in this White House. We saw that appetite translate to victory when we collectively helped defeat efforts to repeal the Affordable Care Act and pass legislation in states to expand access to abortion and birth control. But the current state of affairs tells us that our work is far from over. And in fact, has never been more important. The threats of the Trump administration, an anti-choice Congress, and the erosion of women's protections in the courts is an even louder calling. We need to double down. We need to keep fighting. 
NARL members are and will continue to be at the center of these battles to ensure that reproductive freedom is protected. We will never back down until we are recognized as equal partners in society. We are committed to using our mobilizing strength to push back against dangerous anti-choice legislation materializing in state legislators across the country. We will hold politicians, including our friends and allies, accountable to the highest standard when it comes to defending our fundamental freedom to decide if and when and how we start to grow our families. We know that equality for women is not possible without full reproductive freedom, including abortion and contraceptive access, and will not rest until we realize this vision. That is from NARL, Pro-Choice America. You can donate on their website. They're very wonderful. Uh, you can also donate on the Drug Policy Alliance website. You can also donate on the Mutiny Radio Yay, website. Click that donut donate button and uh, give us some money so that we can keep bringing you news that you're interested in that we are too like abortions and and drug policy yeah uh, change all that fun stuff <laughs> all that fun stuff um <laughs> so yeah gnarl pro-choice america not that i mean we should just have access to birth control uh, it should be everywhere there, there's a couple things that it, it's silly to me that we don't just have ubiquitous access yeah, we shouldn't even have this conversation right all right For, first Access to birth control, access to condoms, all of this should be free. It's a health. It's it's actually for health security. Absolutely, too. and Duh. you know, small small children, meaning people under thirty. You know, shouldn't have babies. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> if you're if you're in your twenties and you're in a committed relationship, and you want to have a kid. Do your thing. If you want to ruin if you want to ruin your own life, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm such a jerk. Just because it's well, it's the same thing. Their their choices, the, the breeders' choices have been pushed upon me for so many years, and I've been told from society that I'm not a real woman because I'm not choosing to use my biology in the way that, you know, there there is an option for the biology in my body. I am not choosing that biological option, but I have been... I don't know if subjugated is the right word, but talked down to or stigmatized for my choices. And and you know what? Fuck you guys. I chose not to have kids because I love drinking. You know what? I'm a responsible adult, right? A lot of people love to drink and they keep having kids. And you know what? You make fucked up kids. Yeah. You make fucked up kids. When kids see that shit. When kids, right. But I have chosen to never have a child so that I can be irresponsible like a child. And just have a cat. And just have a cat. And my cat loves me. Yes. And I'm really grateful. So this is what I did in the heat. Changing gears. Fuck children. Love cats. <laughs> so I have this uh, frozen sashimi grade ahi tuna that I got from the farmer's market. And it's really great. It was on a, a Sunday. The fish guys are there. And I got this. And I just, I was so excited with the fish guys and the ahi grade the sashimi grade ahi was only $7 a pound so I overbought fish so I was giving it to him when it was fresh but then I put it in the freezer uh-huh. after two days to keep it super fresh now what I was doing before is I was like cutting off large chunks and then defrosting it in water and then chopping it but ha ha during the hot times I made him fish ice cream so I took oh. the chunk I take a chunk off the frozen chunk and while it was frozen I dice it up so it's still frozen and then I mix it with a little bit of sour cream and I put it in his bowl and I made kitty ice cream I made frozen fishy kitty ice cream Did he, enjoy he it? fucking loved it now he's just all he does is sit at the refrigerator and like look up and meow he's like Meow. I'm like I already gave you an egg today but he <laughs> loves the fishy ice cream that cooled him off a little cooled bit him too. Off. Yeah. I gave him a I gave him a little ice pack to to like sleep with I put on his paws and he was like mah, mah. he didn't like it for a second he's like ah, this ain't so bad so I had him kind of laying on an ice pack and 
poor animal. It was hard for him this yeah. weekend. I mean, he has a big fur coat on. Yeah, like the I, we have two cats, so they were just like miserable. You yeah. can tell they're just spalled out. Like I'm gonna die. Fishy ice cream. Uh, anybody who loves their cat it also works with salmon. Uh, but just take your frozen fish, dice it up really finely, a little bit of sour cream, mix it around, uh, and they'll your cat will love you forever. It'll cool them off. It says pro tip. Uh, here we're moving on to Drug Policy Alliance news. Yeah. This is uh, five policy solutions proven to prevent fatal overdoses. Jesus was trying to prevent a fatal overdose on see? our Facebook page today, but they wouldn't let me show it. You don't get to see it because it's too cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where I'm going to put it somewhere else. but uh, We're going to find another social media gonna platform. We're going to find another social media platform to send you guys this picture. So um, five policy solutions proven to prevent fatal fatal overdoses. Uh, Jesus is not one of those. Uh, today, well, on the 31st, it was International Overdose Awareness Day to commemorate those whose lives were cut short by drug overdoses. As we remember these loved ones, sons, daughters, sisters, mothers, fathers, and friends, let us pledge to shift our approach to drug policy use from policies that champion enforcement, criminalization, and punishment to policies that value life, liberty, and humanity. Uh, side note, I was in front of on Monday, Jonathan and I were walking around and we were right in front of City Hall and they're building these new, really great uh, children's play structures. But one of them has one of those green things against the fence so you can't like see the construction or whatever. Uh-huh. And lined up against the fence were everybody's shooting heroin well, no! or opiates, whatever. So I was like, oh, this is, but no. at least, and I joked with Jonathan, I said, look, it's the safe injection site. At least there were like 30 people there and they were all injecting. And you know what? No one's going to have an overdose there because there were people around. The thing that we have to worry about with accidental opiate overdose is the people that are afraid because of police. But where are they going to throw the needle? I hope they're that's, keeping them in a kit. I know. And thing. it's where the kids... Well, the thing is, they're still building it so they could throw them down and then they'll put macadam over the... I, I just love the, the fact that they do everything in front of City Hall, kind of like a fuck you right. kind of thing. It's yeah. just like, if there was any other city, the, the cops, the popo would have been there immediately. I think the police are kind of cool with it. It's yeah. like... But I noticed there are more police on on foot now. Oh yeah. Which I saw. Um, I believe um, San Francisco is now having more foot patrol, because I think, especially downtown, we definitely need it. Sure. Well, just a presence to be like, hey, can you not shoot up in front of the tourists? Like, at least give them some idea that we're just <laughs> sanctuary city. We're like sanctuary city. Everybody shoot up. <laughs> Uh, it's scary. Oh, so before I get back to this ways to save lives, this goes back to the DACA. But anyways, so I was in line today. I got to the MTA to renew my bus pass for the month. And there was a sheriff there with a gun. And I thought, my first thought was, oh, they took away DACA. Now they're going to start picking up immigrants at the MTA. Like for parking stuff. I I feel like they're going to be at schools. They're going to be at... And I'm like, oh, really? We're starting at the MTA now? I just, I couldn't understand why there was a sheriff. Yeah. Like, every time, like, when I see a popo, I get nervous. Well, I've always gotten nervous. But now, it's just like, I'm sure we have friends that have to worry about themselves. Or, you know, with the fact of, like, a sheriff knocking on the door, like, let me see your papers. But this was different. Sheriff is county and police is city. So I'm like, why is there a county sheriff? In the city. in, In the MTA, in the city. Oh, he's looking. I don't know. He's I looking don't for know. some brown people. I, maybe. I just, 
That's my I, conspiracy that's, theory. Sure. <laughs> I'm brown. I'm down with brown, but they want down with brown. Like, yeah. Uh, so below are five policy solutions that are proven to help reduce prevent fatal overdoses. Thank you, Drug Policy Alliance. Number one, increase 911 Good Samaritan laws and naloxone access. The chance of surviving an overdose like that of surviving a heart attack depends greatly on how fast one receives medical assistance. By provided providing limited immunity from prosecution, for drug users who seek emergency medical assistance in an overdose situation, 911 Good Samaritan laws give drug users less reason to hesitate in calling for the help that is necessary for preventing overdoses from turning fatal. As well, increasing drug users' access to naloxone will prevent fatal overdose. A number of states have already made it legal to buy naloxone over-the-counter, but that is not enough. Drug users are oftentimes the first people at the scene of an overdose. Consequently, they are often the in the best position to administer naloxone and reverse an overdose before it becomes fatal. We need naloxone in the hands of every drug user, and that means providing access to free naloxone at syringe exchanges, drug treatment centers, and even jails and prisons. Wow. Yeah, I mean, why not? It's the same thing. So, like, I have an Epi kit. I have an EpiPen because I'm allergic to bees. And if I get stung by a bee, I can die. So of course I should have access to EpiPens so that I don't die. But we don't give access to naloxone for people that are, that's the thing now, like, you're if you're an opiate user, now you know that fentanyl could be in anything. It's 100 times stronger. At any time, with any dose, you could die. It didn't used to be like that. It was like, eh, black tar heroin, all right. But now you don't even know. You, nobody has any idea what they're getting. Nope. So at any time, you've no, and you have no idea. You've been getting it from, you know, Dr. Stubby for years, whatever his nickname is, and whoever you meet on the street, you know, whatever you call them, like, you know, Mr. Ice or whoever you meet. I'm sure you have weird names. Whatever your dude is, right? Like, crack is way safer. Oh, crack is so much so safer. So much safer. <laughs> Like, we used to be so worried about crack, and it's like, crack is way safer. <laughs> than I will even go as far to say, I'm about to say this, meth. Meth is way safer. It's, Absolutely. It's so grimy. It's grimy as fuck, but it is way safer than, than, than uh, opiates. I won't even want to call it heroin, because we don't even think it's heroin anymore. It's opiates. You scared me about that whole fentanyl shit. I, I, I still, girl, when you told me that story about the time you had that half patch, I'm just yeah. like, dude. Mm-mm. And that was transdermal. Dermal, and I, I, people, the little boy, the little nine-year-old boy that died mm-hmm. in uh, Florida, Florida because he must have stepped on it at the pool. pool. Something happened. That stuff is fucking killer. Literally. It is killer. Two. Drug checking at syringe exchange and or pharmacy, same thing. Given the increasing number of instances involving the adulteration of heroin and other drugs with fentanyl, there is an even greater reason to increase drug checking services. Uh, When drug users are able to check their drugs, they're able to make more responsible consumption decisions as well as inform others of the risks of the tested substance. So... We've talked about this many times. Mr. Ice, you buy it from Mr. Ice. You don't know what it is. You go in... 
there's access to checking. What if there was access to checking all over the place? Wouldn't that be great? You check that batch and you're like, whoa, this is strong. Then instead of taking your normal shot or whatever you do, you take less. You get to make an informed decision based on what's happening, as opposed to a blind decision shot in the dark taking drugs. I mean, it's the same thing with kids taking ecstasy at raves or whatever. There should be drug checking services because these kids, they don't know that their speed. Yeah, there's a synergistic effect between MDMA and methamphetamine, and it's like... One plus one is four. So, sure, mix the Adderall in there, whatever. But you don't even know. You could, you know, oh, it's Molly. It's pure. Who knows? You, you got to know. take it to the drug checking and check it out and say, oh, look, this is this much. Oh, it's, look, it's 30% MDMA, but wow, it's like 40% Adderall and 20%. Who the fuck knows? You don't know what the fuck you are getting. You, so, drug checking, why not? That's the thing is, uh, if we have drug policy change, we can give money to access to keep people safe. Harm reduction. Isn't that what it's about? Why are we like persecuting? You, you know, we already know that the jail system doesn't work. Hey, the only thing that's good about arresting a heroin addict is they're going to be clean for what, eight days? That's it. Woo woo, but that's terrible. In jail, that is not a healthy way to de- Why would we do that to somebody? Why would we punish them when they're already hurting? Well, the thing is, when they get out, what's going to happen? They're going to go right back to it because they don't have the proper way of getting clean. And and why are they doing it in the first place? Yeah. I mean, let's think about... Uh, it's it's all psychological. It's all psychological. Here's number three, safe consumption services. With over 100 safe consumption services sites worldwide, the evidence supporting their efficacy in preventing HIV and hep C transmissions and fatal overdose is too great to ignore. SCS are places that drug users can take their pre-obtained drugs to use in a monitored setting where service providers do everything from provide sterile consumption equipment to connect users with treatment services to reverse drug overdoses. We need to increase and support efforts to establish SCS across the country, such as in Seattle and San Francisco, where organizers are moving toward plans to open SCS sites. As well, California's groundbreaking legislation, AB 186 Eggman, which is currently up for vote in the California Senate, would make California the first state to authorize SCS through state legislation. Such efforts as these need to be championed as we find alternative ways to combat overdose. So right now we have an SCS in front of City Hall, but I mean like a real one where there's a nurse and there's free needles and there's access to naloxone and there's access to drug checking. And we, there's never been an overdose in a safe injection site, in a, in a safe consumption that's, service that's the word place. safe. Right. <laughs> because people are there to make sure you don't die. Unless we don't give a fuck about people and we just want them to die. Because that's what we're doing. We don't. Do you, I mean, obviously, you know, with everything that's going on, everyone, it, it seems like no one gives a fuck about people. Seems like it. And everyone is so inhumane and so worried about themselves. Sure. I mean, it's just, it, even with, uh, with the opioid crisis, you know, we did a story uh, maybe about a month ago about a guy, the, the ambulance in a, a certain town in Ohio that didn't want to pick up heroin addicts. Right, because they're just like, well, no point in it. They're just going to turn around and yeah. do it again. They're just wasting the taxpayers' money. It's the same people. Like, how inhumane is that? Yeah, especially when you, when you, when you see the population that is... An, an, that has a problem. I don't want to say they are the problem. When you, why not? The community is in di- dire straits. W- but why not provide help? I, I just some kind of solution. Some kind of solution to the problem. Right. Yeah. Rather than just like rather well, than just uh, let let's let them die. Yeah. It's it's the same. Te- okay. So when I was little, 
I don't know if my dad was joking or not, but he used to say things like, well, we should just bomb them all. Bomb them. Get rid of them. Get bomb their whole country. That's Get rid of them. A, that's not a solution. Well, but that's the thing. Should we just round up all the opiate addicts and kill them and let them die? Duarte's doing that. That there we go. Yeah. <laughs> but that's Shoot not working. But that's not working out so good because he's killing innocent people. Sure. Well, and that's the thing. Opiate addiction is killing innocent people. They didn't do anything wrong except something happened with their childhood or with a boyfriend or with a father figure or something happened, and now their life. They cannot leave their life in a healthy way, and they require this drug. And now they're hooked on this drug. It, it's, it's a, and we say it's a, it's a disease. It's, well, it takes over your life. Well, there's a, um, there's a study that's saying that um, uh, white straight males who don't have a college degree are the ones who are actually, their life expectancy is lowered and diminished wow. because of either uh, drug abuse or alcohol abuse. Wow. Yeah. So, th- I think some of those are Trump supporters anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, well, that's but, the thing is, but, when do we, who do we decide to care about and why are those people better? Like, f- clearly we're like, fuck immigrants. Now we're like, fuck opiate addicts. Like, yeah, it's, who's it's, good it's, enough in America that gets, who's, who Trump, are the good ones? Trump, 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 Kardashian. Like, who's, yeah, right? <laughs> I'm so confused. I'm kidding. Number four, heroin-assisted treatment. Hat. HAP programs provide substantial benefits to long-term heroin users who have not been responsive to other treatments. Studies have shown that those enrolled in HAT demonstrate, demonstrate a reduction in drug use and an improvement in overall physical and mental health. As well, being, by being administered by unadulterated heroin, we minimize the risks of fatal overdoses that happen as the result of unknown drug combinations and potencies. Heroin-assisted treatment. So it's saying, we're going to give you heroin because you've been on it for so long. We know you can't live without it. We're going to help you. They say it works. Isn't that what methadone is for? Or methadone's not strong kind enough. Of, yeah, methadone. Uh, methadone is like, I guess, heroin light. It supposedly blocks the receptors so that you can't get high, but it takes away the the, the shaky fix, all that stuff, you know? The, shaky shakes. Right, the withdrawal symptoms I think I'm not sure Uh, all drug decriminalization all drug decriminalization is the elimination of criminal penalties for drug use and possession as well as the elimination of criminal penalties for the possession of equipment used for the purpose of introducing drugs into the human body such as syringes decriminalizing drugs would improve the cost effectiveness of limited public health resources create a climate in which people who are using drugs problematically have an incentive to seek treatment and remove barriers from the implementation of practices and policies that reduce the potential harms of drug use such as drug use checking and sterile syringe access uh hey drug policy alliance has a new podcast called drugs and stuff Ooh, that's exciting nice yeah so there you go Five policy solutions proven to prevent fatal overdoses from Drug Policy Alliance. Uh, hey, donate to Mutiny Radio. Donate to everybody. Give your money to give us, your, though, for free speech and the whatnot. Well, so that was uh, Gnarl News and, and, and drug policy. And uh, this, let's yeah. see. Who's... We see nothing in the world has changed. Yeah, nothing <laughs> in the world has changed. Uh, I, I, what, what's going to change it? I, I'm... 
I'm I'm I am legitimately frightened at this point of what's happening. I think I'm ready for this year to end. I felt yeah, like right. this this year just started, right? But we're already in September. But the year's the year's almost over. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm I'm ready for it to end. Yeah. It's <laughs> I'm 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 like on my the edge of my seat. I'm like, what's going to happen next? Come on. I know. It's we've it's, got natural disasters. Uh, we've got nuclear weapons we got a homemade disaster we got hydrogen bomb we got a hydrogen bomb in the hands of the north koreans we, we got, got global warming we got global extreme. warming we got we got russia hating loving we have no idea what's happening we got some racism we got racism back. brewing yeah we got nazis back the confederates back Woo. all of it yeah yeah oh and women still can't get the right uh right you know we oh by the way we're we, still not people we're still not people yeah not people yeah People. Mm-hmm. We're not people. No, you're possessions. Stupid woman. I know. Stupid bitch. Uh, <laughs> go cook. Go make me a souffle. Yeah, well, you know, and I, I really, I do enjoy a good souffle. It's all technique. Yeah. So, uh, coming up this Friday is a show that I don't know if people are going to come to or not. It's decompression. I've been to Burning Man. It's all comedians who have been to Burning Man, and I'm hoping that burners will get out of their closets or they'll want to decompress with us but I don't know if so this is going to be a That's fun and bizarre show yeah I mean I've got a ton of Burning Man stories so when was the last you said you 2007, went 2007 10 years, 10 years ago yeah so would you I think I probably asked you this question before but would you go back not unless I was gifted a ticket I, I wouldn't pay for the experience again and, and even if you are gifted a ticket it's still a really expensive endeavor like it would still cost it's like it's it's adult summer camp so it's hard to do it with transportation, food, and all of that, even if you get a gifted ticket, it's still gonna cost you a grand. Uh, yeah, to get all the stuff out there, and it depends who you're camping with, and what you're doing, and transportation, time off, all, I mean, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, and that's not even- So it's rich people's summer camp. It is rich people summer camp. Who yeah, there's a lot of techie- Rich people who wanna be dusty. <laughs> right. Well, it's, that they get to, I mean, it is, it's like adult summer camp. You get to play around with all this art, and all these people, and there's, Lots of drugs, even though you're not supposed to, but they're there. And I would probably just go for the group sex. That happens too. There's a lot of that. <laughs> but I don't know. It's, it's dirty and weird. Everybody's got herpes. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, that was a Debbie. But down. that's that's a that's that's a show this this Friday. So I'm pretty. I mean, I'm pretty excited about it. We'll see what I'm happens. I'm sure there's some great stories though. Yeah. You well, know, or jokes. I mean, come on. I yeah. I've got I've got jokes about Burning Man for sure. Uh, it's just a bunch of entitled rich people, and that people go, "No, it's beautiful and joy and light and wonderment." And I'm like, you "Yeah, gotta pay for that shit you too. Pay for that shit. Well, like everything else in America, you got to pay for that shit. Uh, maybe we'll uh, we'll listen to a song or something. Ooh, musica. Yeah, and we'll, so we can we can smoke. We're at a it's. We're an hour through the AltaCast here we, on We probably Mutiny need to take a smoke radio. break after yeah, everything absolutely. we were talking about. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. That was a show that happened last Friday, and it was awesome, actually. That was, like, really well attended and really, really funny. The concept totally has legs and was worked out really well. So I'm really happy with Hell in a Handbasket. This is the beauty of everything, what's going on. You can at least... There's going to be some sense of humor coming out of it. Absolutely. Because that's the only way to survive right now, brother. Absolutely. Is fucking laugh because that's what you have to do if you're Well, on. and you know what? In that case, since we want to laugh, I think that we should actually play an old Hot Dirty P in the Sheriff song. We should actually do the <gasps> 40... 
the 45 Alive rap. That's right. We haven't did a rap in months, well, but, we'll but this listen. is the greatest hit. This is greatest hit. So we're going to listen to some 45 Alive <laughs> rap. This was the old one. Yeah, but I mean, if you made a weird joke about coming on, I guess. Oh, wait. Uh, <laughs> wow. Switches. Yo, that is incorrect. <laughs> That's a good thing. We're going to see here we go. what happens uh, <laughs> here. As we, uh, we're going to bring up, uh, we're going to start with a little uh, West Coast gangsta rap in the background, and we're going to see We're gonna see what happens. God, I, I, I'm going to love this already. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. <laughs> is it going? It should be going. It should be. We should be hearing it. And I do. Oh, can you put four up? Yep. There we go. Here, we'll start it over. Okay, here we go. Here we go. These are. Ariana Huffington is unattractive, both inside and out. What? I fully understand why her former husband left her for a man. For a man? For a man? For a man? For a man? Arvton Huffington is unattractive. Inside and out. I fully understand why her former husband left her for a man. He made a good decision. Making good decisions. 45, making good decisions. 45, are you still alive? Making good decisions. Meryl Streep. One of the most overrated actresses in Hollywood. What? Doesn't know me but attacked last night at the Golden Globes. Uh-uh. She's a Hillary flunky who lost big. She's a Hillary flunky, flunky. who lost big what? for the hundredth time. I never mocked a disabled reporter. Uh. Uh, 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 I would uh. never do that. No. Uh, I would never do that. Uh. But simply showed him groveling when he totally changed a 16-year-old story that he'd written in order to make me look bad. <laughs> bad, sad, just more dishonest media. Oh, just fake news, fake news. We made a good decision. Did we make a good decision? I said no. I did make a good decision. What if I'm So good decision. What if I'm can you imagine what outcry would be if Snoop Dogg's failing career and all had aimed and fired a gun at President Obama? How? Jail time. Jail time. Jail time. Negroes. Jail time. Jail time. Snoop Dogg. Oof, oof, oof. Any negative polls are just fake news. Just like CNN, ABC, NBC polls in the election. Sorry, people want border security and extreme vetting. Turn my mic on. Yeah. Want border security and vetting. For the five lives. For the five lives. Just must more dishonest media. Just more very dishonest media. Fake news. I will build a great wall. I will build a great wall. Whoa. And nobody builds walls better than me. I said nobody I builds walls better, better than, than me. me. Believe me. Believe that. I will build a great wall. A great wall. And no one builds walls better than me. And I'll build them very inexpensively. I will build a great wall. A great wall. Big no. great wall. Not China. And nobody builds walls better than me. Definitely yeah. not China, China, you see. 
I will build a great wall. A great wall. Believe me, and I'll build them very inexpensively. China. And I will make Mexico pay for that wall. Oh, Mexico gonna pay. Nah, not today. Fuck my words. Uh, not today. Fuck not my today. words. Oh, oh. <laughs> this no. is... This is my favorite quote. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending the best. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. Rape? What? No. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending the best. They're rapists. And they're criminals Like the over office And some, I assume Are good people There we go Yay Yay. We did it again Yay That was our 45 Alive rap that we did Yeah, we uh, we really killed that That was fun Uh there we go. So, uh, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the AltaCast. Thanks for listening to our song, 45 Alive. There he is. Scary guy. Uh, hates Mexicans. I'm just I'm just waiting for the heart attack. Uh, right? Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, oh, boy. I would not mourn. I would not. No way. I'd be. I'd, I would have the coolest party. Oh, man. Oh, that would be a oh, great party, right? Wouldn't that be a great party? Fireworks. Uh, here's what we heard a little gossip. Let's gossip. Let's spill a little gossip here. Some tea. Yes, spill some tea. Louis C.K. makes girls watch him masturbate. Uh, six disturbing details about the Louis C.K. sexual assault allegations. Let's uh, let's check this out. It says so gross. Welcome to 2007, the point in time where you learn. All your former TV dads and people you looked up to are horrible perverts. Because <laughs> I, I, man, I loved the Huxtables. I mean, we could talk about Bill Cosby forever. I right. love that guy. I mean, I, I, I now I'm not supposed to anymore, but like he was a great TV dad. And he really shaped a huge part of my growing up oh, totally. in the 80s. And also... In breaking down racial barriers as a rich white woman growing up in America, I, of course, was really afraid of black people. And, and one of the things that lowered that wall for me personally was the Cosby, was the Cosby show. show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because when you grow up in Danville and everybody's white except for the four black kids in your uh, class the, of, of uh, 1,600 people, in the class of 16, no, excuse me, in the school at 1,600 people, in our class of 400 people, we had four black kids so there's Danville that's the one percent uh black and when I was a child I I will admit I was just growing up in America until Cosby came around I was afraid but here we go enter Louis C.K. easily <laughs> one of the funniest stand-up comics we have today Louis has some ugly skeletons in his closet that for some reason we stopped talking about. So let us bring to light his personal brand of nastiness. There are multiple rumors, stories, and allegations that Louis C.K. traps young female comics in rooms and forces them to watch him masturbate. That's weird. All right. Traps young female comics in rooms. Well. That would be you. Well, I'm not young. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I could see how he could accost someone like Salma Zaki and say like, because here's the thing, if you're a young female comic and you're in a room with Louis C.K. You try to come up. Well, really. you're talking, I mean, of course he's going to pull his dick out. Like, it's the same thing with, with it's the same musicians. thing. It's the same thing with, uh, yeah, musicians or with Kobe Bryant or with, <laughs> or with, um, or with, uh, what's, Bill with Cos- Louis C.K. or Bill Cosby. Hey, mediocre new young kid you're in a room with a famous person they're gonna do whatever they want let's oh we're gonna play dumb oh it's louis ck of course if louis ck ripped his dick out and i'd be like i don't know i'll watch him masturbate you're louis fucking ck i i i I don't know (laughs) i I I mean it's just would we have conversation well he's not that's the thing is that if i'm in a room with louis ck he's not there because of my talent or my scintillating conversation he's there because he wants to show his dick to me do you know what i mean it's like i get that like i mean i'm sure he's not going to do this to tig nataro because she's famous or like sarah silverman because there's no he can't because they're like on the same level of fame right right but if it's a young female comic of course he's gonna take his dick out my question like but the thing is like is there conversation first? Like, I hope is so. there? Is it just like, well, hi, I'm Louis C.K. I'm gonna whip my dick out and start yeah. jerking off. Well, he says, "Hey, you want to be on my next episode <laughs> so, of whatever? I'm gonna jerk <laughs> off in front of you." If you're not throwing up yet, the most notorious incident of this might apparently some years ago at the Aspen Comedy Festival, Louis invited a female comic, a female comedy duo, back to his hotel room. Oh, a duo! They went along and offered him weed, and he said no and asked if it would be okay if he took his dick out. They thought he was joking. He was not. When he started to masturbate in front of them, they tried to exit, but he stood in front of the door and blocked it until he was finished. Okay. No. No. Continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gawker originally broke the story in 2012 and claimed there were many allegations that this is common practice for the comic. Here are six other disturbing details we found out about his alleged sexual misconduct. One, his victims are too concerned about their careers to come forward. True. One of the comics from the Aspen incident apparently complained to the festival's organizers soon after she received a call from Louis's manager saying if she valued her career, she would drop it. When Gawker reached out to the victim before running the story, she wrote the following message back. First of all, your facts are all wrong. And secondly, I don't want to be a part of this story. I'm sure you understand career after asking what facts were wrong. She replied, please don't contact me about this matter anymore. Breast of luck to you. Breast of luck to you. <laughs> yeah, she was, she was very cute. Two, he may have grabbed one female comic by the neck. A former fan of Louis told Defamer that the comic came up to a woman at a comedy club, grabbed her by the back of the neck, and said, I'm going to fuck you. The fan, who is still only going by Jason, reached out to them in 2015, claiming that he sent an email to Louis about the incident, and Louis asked to call him. The email read, Hey, could you please stop sexually assaulting female comics? It's really uncomfortable to have to ask your hero to stop taking his penis out in front of uninterested and frightened girls. But such is life. Louis arranged uh, on a phone call with Jason, who told Defamer the conversation was tilted and non-substantive. He believed Louis was trying to figure out exactly what Jason heard. They agreed to speak again, but it seems they did not. Three, after another comic jokingly claimed to be the culprit, more people stated that they heard of Louis C.K.'s perverted behavior. Comedian Doug Stanhope posted on Facebook Facebook the original Gawker story and jokingly said he had been discovered. The comments on the post were far from funny. It's Louis C.K., one person commented, and I know from a few girls that's true. 
look how pretty Roseanne is. There's a picture of Roseanne Barr. God, she like looks great. The age, yeah. She looks great. I still love her. I love her too. Rose, he, he should try jerking off in front of her. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Yeah. She looks great. She looks great. Roseanne Barr has publicly called him out on it. In 2016, Roseanne Barr told the Daily Beast that she's heard plenty of stories about what Louis does to women. I've been speaking up, she said. It's Louis C.K. locking the door and masturbating in front of women comics and writers. I can't tell you. I've heard so many stories. Not just him, but a lot of them. And it's just par for the course. It's just shit women have to put up with. Later on, she added that though she doesn't have firsthand knowledge of the situation, the allegations about Louis have been talked about for years. Roseanne also tweeted the following. I have zero idea if Louis hashtag CK is a sexual offender or not, but there are multiple accusations in Hollywood's work, working woman circles. He should answer. Five, a female comic once deleted her podcast instead of naming Louis CK. Comedian Jen Kirkman spoke about the creepy superstar about a creepy superstar male comic in 2015 on her podcast that people thought sounded an awful lot like Louis C.K. She said, "Quote, and then I had another guy who was a very famous comic. He's probably at Cosby level at this point. He is lauded as a genius. He is basically a French filmmaker at this point. You know, new material every year. He's no, he's a known perv, and there's a lockdown on talking about him." His guy friends are standing by him, and you cannot say a bad thing about him. And I've been told by people, well, then say it then, if it's true. If I may say it, my career's over. Or if I say it, my career's over. My manager and my agent have told me that. They didn't threaten it. They just told me, they just said to me, you know what, Jen? It's not worth it because you'll be torn apart. Look at the Cosby women. And then this guy didn't rape me, but he made a certain difficult decision to go on a tour with him really hard because I knew if I did, I'd be getting more of the same weird treatment I'd been getting from him. And it was really fucked up. And this person was married, so it was not good. And I hold a lot of resentment. The podcast was pulled, and later on, Kirkman told the Nerdist that it was kind of obvious who she was talking about, but acted like the unnamed comic wasn't as bad as she originally made him out to be. Quote, Here's what makes it really, here's what it's really like to be a woman in comedy. You have friends and sometimes they're creepy and they're really successful, she said. Uh, Jen Kirkman, it, she's skinny in this picture. She wrote a book that was pretty haphazard, but uh, she's writes, she's been a writer for Chelsea Handler for a while. Her book was like all about her like being fat and being skinny and not wanting to have kids and blah, 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 blah. It was okay. I read it, but it wasn't, I was like, ugh. The only reason this first person narrative is a bestseller is because she's famous. It's one of those things, you know, it's like not that well written. A little help from Chelsea. Yeah, absolutely. Number six, he doesn't completely deny it. In an interview with Vulture in 2016, Louis said he doesn't care about the accusations made about him, especially the ones Gawker publicized. That's nothing to me. That's not real. And then he went on to be even vaguer. Well, you can't touch stuff like that. There's one more thing I want to say about this, and it's important. If you need your public profile to be all positive, you're sick in the head. I do the work I do, and what happens next, I can't look after. So my thing is that I try to speak to the work whenever I can, just to the work and not to my life. Hmm. Hmm. 
Men can do whatever they want whenever they want to. They can pull out their dick and nothing happens. They can get in fights and nothing happens. If I punched a bitch because she was fucking with me, I would go to jail. Mm-hmm. But nothing else. If I masturbated in public, oh, I would go, I would go to jail. You would go down. They'd be like, your career would end. Well, but career like I have a career. <laughs> that's the thing is I ain't got no fucking career. I don't give a shit. But wow. But that's the thing is. And then our president, women. our president talks about grabbing women by the pussy. You guys are worried about Louis C.K. He's a fucking comic. He's a dirtbag. Did you guys not know that every single comedian in the universe is a total dirtbag? They're horrible people. We're all horrible people. Well, we're all horrible people, but comedians are specifically horrible people. Like, like you're confused or surprised by that? We're not priests. We're comics. I, I would say a lot of uh, comedians are mentally disturbed too. Absolutely. <laughs> The narcissism is just rank, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the hubris of comedians for us to stand up on stage with nothing but a microphone and our scintillating personalities and be like, I'm fucking entertaining. Fuck us. Really. It's like, it's, it is an art form yet. I mean, I'm being cheeky about it, but I mean, really. I just, you know, the sad thing about it is like, if you were to speak out about this, your career would be destroyed. That's the whole fucked up part, you know? Yeah. I mean, because sexually if, harassed yeah, as a woman. even if you do speak out against it and you come out with it, you're still they're still going to praise him. Just like what what you, you just said about uh, our president Cheeto. Yeah. People still voted for him after the fact that he got caught saying he's going to grab women by the uh, or by the, by the pussy. Yeah. You know. So I mean, it's acceptable. We don't, and we don't care. Yeah. No, misogyny is rank in the world, and that's just the way it is. It's just it's just rife. And I, there I just, and real. I wonder what color it is and how small. <laughs> well, he's a I, redhead. I, yeah, I'm just. I'm, he's kind of dumpy looking. I'm more. I'm more fascinated about like what what his penis looks like. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care. But but I mean. Yeah, whatever. He wants to whip his dick out and masturbate in front. I mean, it's it's but, fucked up and weird, but. But here's the thing. Know, he's a famous guy. You you gone too far when you're blocking the hotel door room. You've gone too fucking far. If you're on the couch, because that just looks weird. If you're like blocking, wait, hold on, let me get it out. Are you like holding like you? I'm just trying to get a visual of you. Let me block this door while I whip my cock out and masturbate all over the place. Yeah. I feel sorry for the maids. Well, there's you (laughs) you don't know what you're you don't know what you're stepping in. (laughs) Uh, This is this is like clickbait, but we're gonna just. I looked up. Uh, celebrity women haters, and uh, and here we've got the ten biggest misogynists in Hollywood. Ooh, Let's check it out. Number hot. one, yeah, number one, Sean Penn. Sean Duh. Penn may try to come across as a nice guy these days, but he's actually a monster. I would still fuck him. Back when he was with Madonna, he tied her to a chair against her will and beat her. Doesn't matter how many Democrats you endorse, after doing something like that, you're still awful. <laughs> Uh, he was 10, 9, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Duh. Before he ran for California, governor of California, a bunch of allegations of sexual harassment and abuse were brought up against Schwarzenegger. People forgot about him, right up until it was revealed that he'd knocked up his kid's nanny and the love child was being raised right alongside the kids he had with his wife. Nice. Eight. An ad. Yeah, I know. It's, we don't care about progressive. I don't care. 
I don't care about that. Eight, Mel Gibson. Not oh, surprised. Oh, come on. Mel Gibson once called a female police officer sugar tits. You and look I'm like sure, a bitch. Yeah, I'm sure you meant it in a respectful way, right? Like he was thinking, I like sugar and I like boobs. This will show her that I respect her. Sugar tits. That's cute. Seven, Chris Brown. Ooh, big surprise. When wow. he first showed up, Chris Brown seemed like such a nice guy. And then he turned into a complete monster. After he beat up Rihanna, he was photographed jet skiing with the biggest smile on his face. Yeah, he seemed real broken up about the whole thing. And now he spends his time basically stalking his long-suffering ex, Carucci, Carucci Tran. Yeah, that nigga got problems. I mean, if you're already like famous, why you, you gotta can get be? You pussy all over the place. Yeah. Pussy is handed to you. Six Bill Cosby. Duh. The thing about rape charges is that it only takes one to make people think you don't like women. By the time you hit Bill Cosby levels, it's not only is there no doubt, it's been replaced by blinding horror. <laughs> Five Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood is the is from another era, but he's also keeping a tight grip on that era. He once joked at the Tonys that all the nominees for Best Directors were all guys, but in a way that was like, it would be weird if it wasn't. Women can direct he's too. Old. He is old. He's old. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Renner. I don't even know who this guy is. Uh, he was in The Hurt Locker. Oh, Okay. Jeremy Renner and Chris Evans got in a bit of trouble recently for joking about Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow being a slut. Evans apologized, claiming it was just a bad joke. He shouldn't have said it. Renner, on the other hand, decided to double down and explain that Black Widow is, in fact, a slut. I wish it was still the early 90s so I could say smooth move, X-Lax, X-Lax and not sound like a complete dork. Fucking dork. Number three, Michael Bay. Course. Hey, watch a Michael Bay movie and count how many female butts he focuses on instead of opposed to male butts. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with liking butts, but enough is enough. Women in Michael Bay movies stick their butts out constantly, even when it makes zero sense. No one just lounges around on a motorcycle, okay, Michael Bay? Why does Michael Bay get to keep on making movies? Shit, 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 I shit. Said Pearl Harbor sucked. Just a little bit more than I miss you. It's a great song. I need you like Ben Affleck needs acting school. And that's an awful lot, girl. I need you like Cuba Gooding needed a bigger part. He was was better than Ben Affleck. And now all I can think about is your smile. And that stupid movie, too. Okay, uh, number two, Dirk Benedict. Wow, Dirk Benedict played Starbuck in the cheesy 1970s outer space adventure show Battlestar Galactica. He was also on the A-Team. He was was the hot guy on the A-Team. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Uh, When Battlestar was rebooted in 2000, Starbuck was recast as a woman. Of course, Benedict claimed that was due to the downfall of masculinity. Maybe they just realized the character was a poor man's Han Solo and decided to make her a little more interesting. And number one. Hey, remember when Roman Polanski was a statutory rapist and a regular old rapist? And now he's still in complete denial of that fact? And how he thinks birth control is making women more masculine? Of course you do. Unless you're one of the many celebrities who want him freed in the United States. Gross. Yay. This list should be longer. Yeah, I think it could be very easily longer. What about Hugh Hefner? Right, well, he's not really... I mean, I guess he is in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, of course. He makes careers. That's I mean, true. and Hollywood A-list celebrities go to his crib to fuck. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so 
I mean, or let's just say all of Hollywood is misogyny. Yeah, I, I put in I put in misogyny in Hollywood, and it, it, I put didn't put that, and I got it misogyny in Bollywood, which uh, is interesting. I'm like, really? Of course, that's going down. Seven ways Bollywood is contributing to rape culture in India. Oh yeah. Why not? Let's yeah. check this one out. Checking I'm like out. Bollywood, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. India has a problem with a lot of raping. Well, right, they did that thing happened on the bus a couple years yep, ago. Absolutely. Which was terrible. Since this was this is the thing since the since the New Delhi gang rape uh, galvanized women's safety has been a central topic of national conversation. As a result, a lot of people have taken to examining cultural factors that contribute to a region-wide misogyny and the ubiquity of gender-related violence. As India's largest driver of mainstream popular culture, Bollywood has received a lot of scrutiny. Uh, Bollywood churning out films at a rate of a thousand per year is far and away the largest film industry in the world. More pertinently, in a viewership of around 50 million, the industry reaches more Indians than any other cultural phenomenon. Uh, in this 14-minute video called Country, No Country for Women, explores some common Bollywood tropes and ties them to incidents of rape and gang rape in India. Warning, the video is at times graphic and disturbing. Uh, we can put that on a minute, possibly. Claiming that Bollywood causes rapes is a tempting conclusion to draw. However, it is also inaccurate. With a few damning exceptions, mentions, and depictions of rape in Bollywood movies and anti-rape, featuring a man protecting a woman or characters condemning the act, Bollywood does not condone nor glorify rape. That said, Bollywood does condone a culture of misogyny and sexual harassment that contextualizes and allows rape. Deepan Japal, a senior editor at First Post, spoke on the distinction in an email to BuzzFeed. Rape is not about sex. It's about power and notions of masculinity. It's a performance that establishes the rapist's mind, in the rapist's mind, his supremacy. I don't think the depiction of women in Bollywood has that much to do with it. In the case of rape, we've got to look at the way society has understood and depicted masculinity, as well as the male-female relationships across generations. We're socialized into accepting violence upon women mutely. Bollywood didn't start this. If anything, it reflects the value system and often exaggerates. What attracts the audience to Bollywood and its resonance with socialization that's been drummed into mainstream society? Uh, it's tempting to say yes, but the fact that Bollywood heroes often do good as well, we don't see a mass movement against corruption or an increase in philanthropy, even though characters in films establish their goodness through actions like that. Many Bollywood heroes have loved their raped sisters, but that doesn't, mean, that doesn't seem to have done anything to lessen the stigma associated with being raped. Our films have consistently shown the rapists as the scum of the earth, but that hasn't meant that society has been any less forgiving of such men. Most of the time, the woman who is raped is not asking for it. She's a good, innocent little thing who gets trapped by the villain. Yet we continue to place the stigma of rape upon women. Uh, so here's the, uh, the ways in which Bollywood contributes to a wild, wider culture of misogyny and gender violence in India. One... Bollywood's male protagonists, arguably the closest thing to Indian boys and men that they have as role models, are characterized by machismo and violence. Sounds about right. Yeah, the ubiquity of, of Bollywood in every aspect of Indian culture has left the country devoid of conventional role models, apart from film celebrities and cricket superstars. Therefore, it is common for Indian men to idolize male leads for Bollywood movies, many of whom condone a mindset of violence and glorified dominance. 
As with many commercial film industries, Bollywood establishes what is cool. Deepanja Paul told BuzzFeed that Bollywood has chosen to market strong men who can dominate women as an ideal, just as women who submit to men and find fulfillment in life when they are claimed by a man are feminine role models. Like, that's such a misogynist. Pal said, the idea propagated by films and their characters aren't counterbalanced by by a celebrity with a contrarian view. For example, I suspect if you went out and asked people from different social sections to name an Indian feminist, they'd be hard-pressed to come up with an example. Mention an actor, on the other hand, and an array of names and their roles pop up without any difficulty. Number two, compounded with its presentation of masculinity is the fact that Bollywood does not typically strong strong female characters. On the contrary, nearly every Bollywood movie ever made would miserably fail the Bechtel test. Women in Bollywood are primarily mothers, wives, girlfriends, and sex objects whose actions and conversations are primarily driven by their male counterparts. Even when young women are portrayed as ambitious and independent, they serve as challenging romantic prospects for the men to woo and win over. While the last few years have seen promising trend of successful women-centric films such as Queen, English English, and Kahani, women are primarily glorified props in big-budget mass entertainers, proving testosterone still drives the box office. For instance, one of Bollywood's most successful franchises, Doom, is inherently misogynistic, and it's failed to produce a female character that isn't at least part floozy, according to film critic Dupratik Chatterjee. Three, with few exceptions, every Bollywood movie is punctuated by one hypersexualized off-plot song and dance routine called an item number. The dance is performed by a beautiful actress in revealing clothing, and the lyrics often paint the woman as an unattainable tease. The song, which generally purpose no plot furthering purposes, should serve no plot furthering purpose, are included purely for entertainment. Since Bollywood films tend to be long, always longer than two hours, on often inching over four, five minutes of loud, catchy, and colorful song and dance are a welcome break to audiences. The women performing item numbers are colloquially referred to as item girls. The most obvious issue with the tradition is that it glorifies the objectification of women. Quote, the tag item girl should be completely banned. Media has given birth to this phrase, and I really find it derogatory. The dancers can't be termed as an item. They are no objects after all. More often than not, a Bollywood film's commercial success relies on item numbers, which make for tantalizing trailer snippets and eye-catching billboards. Item numbers are a surefire way, surefire way of appeasing to audiences that are both educated and uneducated, rural and urban. These songs, videos give filmmakers an opportunity to slip sexiness, a universally compelling aesthetic into their trailers. The goal is for the songs to be catchy and upbeat, enough that before its release, the movie in question becomes associated with a guaranteed radio hit. Despite mainstream news and media outlets seriously discussing issues of gender-related violence and sexual assault, Bollywood hasn't seriously engaged in those issues. On one scene in Shootout at Wadala, a 2013 blockbuster depicts Munir, a male character attempting to join a gang. In his list of credentials, he includes this. Main kukbi karne ke ilia taharhun, raped by agar aitam achni hato. I'm willing to do anything, even rape, if the girl is good enough. Having the actors from such movies, uh, from such a movie, and then talk about rape issues is part of the movie's publicity campaign, and it's counterproductive. 
to compound its problematic treatment of rape, Shootout at Wadala also had two titillating numbers. Compared to the movies of the 80s and 90s, today's Bollywood fare depicts considerably less rape. But on occasion, there is callous obliviousness to the sensitivity of the issue. In the review of his 2013 movie, critic Superjeek Chatterjee describes this scene. In a throwaway scene intended to be funny, a corrupt and inept policeman whose character is established at some point of comic relief is shown raping a woman in a jail cell before he gets an important call from a drug lord. As he hurries out, he's shown zipping up his trousers hastily. The nonchalance with which rape and custodial rape, no less, is casually shown is dismissed or, and dismissed is appalling to say the least. Uh, Eve, wow. te- yeah, right. Eve teasing is a, content- a contentious euphemism used in India and parts of Southeast Asia for public sexual harassment of women by men. Uh, the above gift from a 2013 Bollywood blockbuster named Gran Masti, branded as an adult comedy, the movie ranked upward of 16 million within three weeks of its release, a rare feat in Bollywood. The movie had enough vulgar dialogue and obscene content to warrant being banned from cinemas in certain other countries, but reached a peak number of moviegoers in India. Bollywood films have repeatedly depicted this kind of sexual harassment as normal, implying that perverse pursuit by men will wear women down. While public outcry and media attention is largely focused on rapes, India have Indians have been conditioned to treat Eve teasing as an act normally normalized by Bollywood and suffered by Indian women on a daily business basis as harmless minor offense. Basically catcalling is yeah. that being like, Oh, I want to get her ass so much. They learned it from us. <laughs> so there's Bollywood. We can actually, actually the thing close is- out with that. Whole, well, I mean, it's a 14-minute thing. We might as well play it at the end. And, uh, the thing is, like, it, it, it's it's Hollywood and Bollywood. It's I everything. Mean, it's everything. It's just that they're behind. I mean, when we look at India and we look at their Bollywood as opposed to Hollywood, they're they're a couple years behind Hollywood. So right, right. we're we don't we're sort of done with that. Lenny Squiggy, late 70s, biting the fist. I want to get the girl. Porkies. Like this very, women are just boobs and butts and we're not real people. we still are. Well, we we are. I mean. I think if if you've seen some of the movies, like, you know, they have like the raunchy teenage comedies, you know. Sure. You know, uh, that still has that uh, same formula or what have you. Which, I don't mind watching me a Porky's movie, but if you watch that shit now, oh my god, I know it's yeah. fucked up. Well, it's just like it's just like <laughs> if you look at '90s comedies, comedies in America, they are homophobic. Every yeah, single one of them, bad has, gay. Yeah, every the butt of almost every single joke, even when there are no gay. There are no gay characters in it at all. Well, you gotta be a fag, bro. Most of the butts of the jokes are about gayness, yeah. which is weird. Just the rampant homophobia, but. Misogyny still exists every day, everybody. And uh, it's, I mean, equality of women, it's hard. So, for example, even walking here, a guy on the bus made an effort to say hello to me and say, have a nice day. And that's nice. But I did kind of feel like, are you sexually objectifying me? Like, is everyone being sexually objectified all the time? And I've been talking to some feminists, and I made a joke on Monday because there was a feminist in here who was like, talking about no one takes me seriously and I'm like yeah because you're cute and skinny I mean I'm sorry it's one of those things no one's ever I've always wanted to be considered an intelligent person but I've never really gotten the moniker that I've wanted 
because I'm little and cute and I get infantilized and people can't believe that I'm an intelligent woman because I kind of look like a little girl. But the way that I look shouldn't have anything to do with my intelligence or my ability to but be think, a human. But I think also, you know, as the article was stating, um, a lot of the were conditioned to look for the media is a prime example and Hollywood of like, you know, looks and appearances yeah. mm-hmm. especially with women and age and all that yeah. and attractiveness Roseanne Barr looks great by the way yeah. and anyone who says she's ugly is an asshole she's not even I mean and she's she, I, remember when she first came out and like she did the um, the the national anthem yeah and she she, she was she hilarious spit, yeah and everyone's like this woman's grotesque and fat and ugly and what have you they were they didn't Fuck the comedy and what she was doing. Right. You know, it was like, oh, she's just hideous and yeah. blah, blah, blah. She grabbed her crotch. Yeah, she grabbed <laughs> uh, She grabbed her she own pussy. Crotch, you know yeah. what? She had her own consent and to she, grab her own pussy. And that was her show. It was her show. Yeah. She was. It, the, I love Roseanne. The, the, I've always loved Roseanne. Yeah. But we, we can even get back to um, 45 Alive rap. What did we start with? Ariana Huffington is ugly yes. both inside and out. Oh, you mean that our president is talking about the Summer way women are. Our president is a misogynist. Oh, He's hell, yeah. talking about the way women look instead of the policies that they're carrying out in the government. It shouldn't matter what people look like, you fucking fat piece of dog shit. By the way, speaking on that, a couple weeks ago, um, McMaster, uh, who is part of the administration, he going, uh, he had to show him a picture about um, how Afghani women used to have a little bit more freedom back in the 70s. Oh. He showed a picture of women wearing many skirts and, and compare it in contrast contrast to now and yeah 45 was like oh my gosh that's we got to do something about it it took a picture of mini skirts yeah that's 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 great that's our president yeah but i mean just but here's the thing a lot of men think that what a role model a lot of men think that and now you have younger boys who are bigger assholes well because they have access to all the porn they all yes. when you give yeah. your 12 year old an iPhone 8 what do you think that they're doing they're going to masturbate they are going to and that's fine masturbating is fine but they have access to all the porn and what do you think that they're going to think kind, women are any kind of porn and all of it and it's, it's not just even the kind that you would look in the magazine like someone's getting the old in out in out it's like I'm a smack you bitch kind of porn it's, it's, and it just doesn't give the right it doesn't give children the right idea of what Sex. sex is and what how how women are equal partners in and I and I love porn but there there have been so many times that I've had to turn like take it like turn it off because yeah. it was just like this is fucking degrading right, I'm just right. trying to get my rocks off and now I don't want to anymore. now yeah now I feel terrible I for feel terrible exactly yeah, I know. <laughs> that and she's poor crying. opiate addict yeah she's fucking crying yeah, she's on like your and plate. I have some more meth please I need oh another God. shot of opiates it's terrible and it does look like rape in some instances and it why really do we have rape fantasies i mean uh, yeah that's mm-hmm. just weird to me well this has been a great altacast we're gonna play um out with the last couple minutes here this bollywood thing that uh it's a warnings the video is at time graphic and disturbing but they're just gonna talk we're not gonna we don't have to see the graphic and disturbing videos thank you so much for joining us on the altacast today coming up at two o'clock is some call me tim with special guest amy bebo she is an amazing comedian and she gave me the shoes i'm wearing so i love her 
Uh, hey, everybody. Come to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse this Friday for the Burning Man Decompression Show. And all, I mean, all of our shows here at Mutiny Radio. You can apply for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival right now. It's going to be great. That's coming up in March. And um, soon. Yeah. So keep, and again, go to mutinyradio.fm and donate because... We need your money. Please. Please give us money. Uh, all right. This is misogyny in Bollywood. Yay. Rape. I'm kidding. You know I'm kidding. You know I'm kidding. All right. We'll see you guys next week here on the AltaCast. You should serve people what they want instead of serving them something else. So what are you serving people? <laughs> what they want. <laughs> what do they want? <laughs> what I do. I'm trained to वो हम हीरोइन से करवाएंगे पब्लिक सामान देख दिया दुकान ट्रैवल करते हुए ज्यादा करके लड़के लोग को बहुत चांस मारते जो एकदम कड़क जैसी लड़कियां हम जैसे लड़कों के लिए ये सब करती हैं
लड़की में सबसे पहले क्या देखते हो तो डिपेंड करता है ना कि लड़की आ रही है कि जा रही है अगर मुझे दुपट्टा लेना एकदम अनकंफर्टेबल लगता है तो मैं ना लू लेकिन सामने वाले को इसमें दिखाने की बात बात क्या दाम दे रहे हैं प्यार से दे रहे रख लो वरना थप्पड़ मार के भी दे सकते हैं एक औरत हो क्या औरत जात की इज्जत नहीं करती गोफरे 
there isn't a day which passes when there isn't a case of out and out harassment of women in the city's public spaces. And that is not just a shame for Delhi, it is a national shame. Right, now, the city of joy is fast becoming unlivable for its women, this despite the first woman chief minister of the state in office. Well, in the latest horrific incident, a 22-year-old girl was assaulted and brutalized in full public view in a posh cult of the neighborhood. It's a fitting jacket, but very thick. They didn't know how to take it off, so they were pinching my nipples and pinching just about everything, you know, through the thing. That's when they started um, getting to my hands and uh, the... And it's in full public view of everyone. Yeah, everyone was watching. Just just be strong about it. You are one of them. And then they started... Um, they touched my hips and they were trying to put their fingers into my pajama strings and they pulled it down and they pulled my panties down a bit and they rough handled me in my vagina, my private parts basically, rough handled me quite a bit and that's when I woke up, I was screaming like an animal, thrashing, I was no longer human. And that what you're about to see thrashing. will disgust you. 30 cops caught on hidden camera in a Tehelka exclusive with NDTV blaming women, their clothes, their behavior and even their mothers for rape. The comments range from she asked for it to how no rape can take place in Delhi without the girl provoking it and that girls who drink invite rape. It is like saying if a girl gets raped, she is to fault because she was wearing tight clothes. I have said she what I have said. Lose control you don't like to say what it means. Well, as women. Yeah. Boys lose control and misbehave with women. Stop boys from going to pubs. Stop boys from going to pubs. Ban boys from having alcohol. Why are women being targeted? What does it mean to be a man? Well, there we go. There, there was the mis beauty and misogyny oh, of India for you here on the AltaCast. Wow, a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us today. I am so disturbed. I am, <laughs> I am so disturbed at the way they treat women in India now. Uh, we have a whole, I have a whole new appreciation for American misogyny. Thanks, India. Woohoo! <laughs> really, uh, that was a lot. Of, that was a lot of fun. Thanks again for joining us here.
on Mutiny Radio. Yeah. All right. We switched three and four for me. Yep. Thanks. Fantastics. On the tenth. That's the poetry thing. On the 9th, I'm a host. This is exciting. Next Monday at 9 o'clock, I'm a host. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsadai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Want to spend a summer Sunday laughing your cares away? Then come join the fun at San Francisco's Comedy Day. One stage, five hours, 40 comedians, a million laughs, and it's free. Besides our annual celebration of stand-up, did you know that Comedy Day offers workshops that teach Bay Area students how to use humor to resolve conflict? Comedy Day is so serious about ending bullying, it's banning all comedians from using the following phrases. Knee slapping, side splitting, break a leg, bust a gut, knock them dead. Those words hurt. But Comedy Day feels good. It's fun for the whole family. 
Did I mention it's free? Hey, comedy fans, don't miss the 37th Annual Comedy Day, the original longest-running free outdoor comedy concert in the world. The funny starts at noon on Sunday, September 17th at Sharon Meadow in Golden Gate Park, San Francisco. One stage, five hours, 40 comedians, a million laughs. It's free! Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. You mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find Counter Offer, offering you amazing late night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit, it's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini and creamy, delicious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They got them. From the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads gonna come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Blender's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Anything you try has already been done before. And there's nothing really you can do about it. So remember to avoid taking risks and to whisper into feathers together in the dark. It's the right thing to do. And viewers like you.
circuses in town, it's time for a train ride. The best circus town train rides are the dependable ones that'll depart and arrive on time. The ones that'll take you from clown to trapeze quad to elephant, see? But come on the train with the circus promise. It's intense.